This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank that. you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. <laughs> From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergaff. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast as we kick off another week. And what a sports weekend it was that we just experienced. Greg Snow joining us as he does on these Mondays for the podcast and great basketball games both in the college and pro level the Timberwolves a win uh, all upsets in the NCAA tournament never before has a final four been contested without any of the top three seeds uh, in the NCAA men's basketball tournament Greg it's just it's the wildest upset tournament in history well they said that before the thing started Todd I didn't want to believe it because It's never happened, but they talked about it being the most wide-open tournament, and here we are. What do we got, a nine seed, a five, a four? And I can't remember, but I did see a stat yesterday. This is the second highest cumulative total uh, to get in. I think the only year that trumped it was the year that the Miami coach made it with that George Mason team. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like at 25 is when you add up all the seeds. It's crazy, Todd. Actually crazy, but... This could be the new norm with the with the uh, college basketball just because of all the free agency. Yeah, that's interesting. So when all this started happening and we found out that, uh, you know, players are going to get paid now in, in college athletics, I really thought that would help the Blue Bloods because I figured they had the deepest pockets that they would have, you know, be coming out of the woodwork to go out and buy players and put together a team. The buying of players did happen, uh, but just not – uh, necessarily uh, for the Blue Bloods. I mean, Kansas State was five new guys. None of them had ever played for the team before this year. Some of them came over, um, you know, with their new head coach there. And, uh, you know, so that was one of the teams that went deep. But but I really thought the NIL would favor the Kansas and Kentuckys of the world, and at least so far that hasn't happened. Todd, it's, I 100% was on that same page with you. I thought this is going to drive parity to be even worse. Yeah. And now the crazy part is hypocrite Greg over here is sitting here saying, I don't really like this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't make you a hypocrite. Kinda, didn't you? Well, didn't you kind of like a villain? You know, I wasn't a big fan of the NIL because I'm not a big fan of college free agency. I kind of like the villain role of like Duke or, you know, some other squads, maybe, um, maybe North Carolina, if you were anti them, they didn't even make the tournament and they were the preseason favorite, I yeah. believe to win it all. Yeah. And so they didn't even make it to the dance. Todd, I, I call myself a hypocrite because I don't like NIL. I don't like the free agency. I like, for some reason, I but I like parody. And we have it. This is it. I mean, this is the extreme of, of parody, is it not, when you see these kind of games? And Now, UConn was a top seed early in the year. And I haven't heard the story where they, did they have injuries? Did they play bad? I'm not even fully aware of what happened there because, college basketball kind of took a back seat for me and I'm, I'm ashamed to admit that but that that's kind of what happened yeah I'm not sure what went on with UConn either that they wound up as a number four seed but they have been impressive in the tournament they have just you know blown everyone out I was on the Gonzaga uh, camp they were the number one rated offensive team in college basketball this year Gonzaga and that's who I had into the final four and all the way to the finals and that was hopefully going to help me out at our pool a little bit and then UConn just <laughs> 
you can't just destroy them. I mean, it wasn't even a game. I didn't even have to watch about the last, what, 15 minutes probably of that game between UConn and Gonzaga. It was over that quickly. Of course, today, everyone's talking about the foul call. Uh, San Diego State and Creighton, a San Diego State guard drives into the lane, uh, draws a little contact from the Creighton guard and misses the shot, but they call a foul. Uh, lots of conversation about that. Some sports talk TV this morning with, uh, you know, on ESPN. That's what they led with was, was it a foul or was it a foul? Should it have been called? Should it have not have been called? Did you see the play? And what do you think? Yeah, I did see the play, and I could see what that ref was looking at. He saw left hand on hip, right hand go to block. Right hand didn't do much, but left hand definitely not only set on hip, but curled around. Is it possible in live time that he was guessing? Sure, it's possible. I mean, again, we're, we're human as refs, right, Todd? And mm-hmm. it's easy to sit there at the end and say, uh, well, would that have been a foul early in the game? And they said a bunch of Miami guys would have followed out. And I, I, I just sitting back going, that's hogwash. What are you talking about? Of course there's discretion in the game, and I was fine with the call. If he didn't call it, would I have been fine with it? Yeah, I would have. That's how hard this stuff is, Yeah, Todd. It's all because subjective. Again, it is. People have to determine was it or wasn't, and they don't want – nobody wants letter of the law. They think they do, mm-hmm. but until it affects their guys and then everybody's following out and we have a game with constant disruptions and it's foul, 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 then they say, well, it's all about the refs. They're making it all about themselves. And, again, they don't even know what they're talking about. It is so hard to judge these plays individually on their own merit and to try to get them right. I have no problem with what that official called. And What I would have loved, though, is to see two officials go up with their arms. That would have let that one guy, the trail official, who, by the way, is an unbelievably good official. We see him. I don't know his name, but he works a ton of uh, NCAA games, and he's a really, really good official. And uh, it would have been nice to see a couple arms go up and then it would strengthen that call. Like, hey, he isn't the only one who thought that was a foul. Mm -hmm. But in the locker room, sometimes that that discussion is, hey, what did you guys think of that call? Mm -hmm. And they might have said, hey, I was going to let it go. You know, I I didn't think there was enough contact there to warrant Mm -hmm. a foul. So Mm -hmm. I'm not mad about it, Todd. I'm, I'm actually more mad that people are mad about it. Does that make sense? Uh, it does, especially from an official's point of view. Uh, and, and not saying that, that you're wrong at all. I don't know. Like uh, so many calls in basketball are subjective. It's all in the eye of the beholder. Here's the thing, and I'm just going to present um, the point that a couple of the former... Well, so did you see the commentary immediately then after uh, the game last night? So Jay Wright, uh, the Villanova coach, uh, you know, he, he said, well, the game had not been called that entire Uh, like that the entire game until the end. But he wound up coming down on the side of the officials. He said, I can understand that uh, the shooter uh, was in the air and he was displaced, and that's a foul. Uh, but then they had Seth Green this morning, another longtime college basketball coach, and he took exactly the opposite tact. Uh, he said, sure, there might have been some small displacement. There was no touch on the shooting arm or hand. Uh, his body moved a little bit, and they hadn't been calling that the whole game. They pointed to the few number of fouls that were actually whistled. Only 22 fouls whistled, including that one, uh, during the course of that game. And he said, if you haven't called that the entire way, and they had some other examples of guys getting bodied while going up for shots that were not called. Uh, he said, if you were calling it that way the whole game, for them to make a call in the waning seconds like this, he said, is 
egregious is the word he used. He was really upset about the call simply because it had been called much more loosely and allowed to play physically the whole game until two seconds to play. And he said, that's not the time to change your officiating philosophy for the game. Todd, I, I can't even argue with that point. It's, it's an okay point. Mm-hmm. Those three officials would sit back and say, well, no two plays are the same, right? It's mm-hmm. the block charge deal that everybody's like, well, you called a block down there, so why didn't you call a block down here? Well, they weren't the exact same play. Mm-hmm. And that's it's really hard for people to understand that even though in their minds they see it that way. Mm-hmm. So I can't even argue with that, that, that premise, Todd. It's actually a fair premise that – if there were some shooting fouls that were not called, you kind of want to stick with that theme. And I didn't see the entire game. Yeah. But I thought in the next game, Todd, the Texas-Miami, mm. I thought there was a bigger call in that one when the game was tied on the box out. Mm. Again, coaches pre, did you see that play? I did not. I don't know which of which you speak, oh, no. Okay, so game's tied 75-75, mm-hmm. and Cunningham for Texas is boxing out the Miami player. I don't remember the kid's name. But the Miami player jumps up to go get the rebound, and Cunningham backs into him. Okay, now I know. Yep, yep. And so he kept backing him out. And you hear coaches all the time, box out, box out, right? And so they call the foul on Cunningham, which many people thought that should have been a foul on Miami. Mm. And so there's plays like that, Todd, where – how are you? You're just never going to get it perfect. No. One team's going to be yelling foul for them. Another's foul for them. Who knows? I thought they got the play right. Boxing out is it means that you can hold your ground. Doesn't mean you can displace somebody and move them. That word you used earlier. Yep. I use it a lot when I officiate. Actually. Yep. You know, if he displaced him, he pushed him. That's. And I always say it to people this way: when you send somebody to a place they don't want to go, that's displacement. Yep. If they want to go there, fine. But if they don't want to go there and you move them with your body, boom, displacement. Our discretion on whether it's a foul or not. Yep. And so uh, there's all kinds of these plays, Todd. And I think it's cool that it comes down to that, unfortunately. Uh, no official wants it to, but as a spectator, I think it's kind of fun. And plus, Todd, because we're all so bad at picking our brackets, we really <laughs> didn't have a whole lot of stake in the game, <laughs> even though I think you maybe had Texas. Yeah, I did. That would have helped me. I could have <laughs> uh, uh, moved up in the standings a little bit, so that, yeah, that that that, that could have helped me, and, and then it wound up not. But it was really Gonzaga uh, was the big one for me. <laughs> and they went so down. is it true that in our group with about 12 people, yeah. nobody has anybody left? That's correct. Not, oh my goodness! Not, God. not not one of our competitors uh, picked any of the final four teams. Not a one. Nobody. Oh. Nobody had a final four team. <laughs> congratulations, JP Cola. You win again. <laughs> yes, he congratulated himself uh, quite a bit uh, this morning <laughs> on on the sportscast, which he he is wont to do. And now I have to listen to him for who knows how long. Because yeah, he Another won. Year. He won it last year too. So now yeah. they're you know last year he called himself a genius, and I thought that seems to be a bit of a stretch. Uh, so well, this year proves none of us are geniuses. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Nobody, nobody had anything uh, this year. That's for sure. So uh, I, I guess I'd anticipate college basketball continuing uh, like this. I don't know that we'll get just back to the the blue bloods of college basketball dominating the Final Four as they have for so many years, and I'm fine with that. It is fine. It's really hard when you're a golfer team that can't find any of these type of players to revamp your program. Uh, when you hear what you just said earlier about K-State yep. and some others that are able to add 
uh, talent, it, it's it's going to be tough to kind of stay with Todd. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see what it is. I I know I'm not a I hate free agency even in other sports, but you know, in at least there's contracts that kind of hold people to longer years. Mm-hmm. Well, in college basketball, there isn't. Now I'm hoping we go after the the King kid from Caledonia that he's just transferring out of Iowa State. Yeah. Why? Because we love to bring these kids back home. They're great stories, and hopefully they can help your program. But, again, I don't necessarily love it. So, yeah, yeah, college basketball, this is where it is. Here we go. Yeah, this is exactly the opposite of what you wanted to see happen, right? I mean, you you didn't want to see them paid, and that's exploded. Now, it is a little bit different. Um, uh, uh, What do you think? I mean, the NIL is different than the colleges themselves giving players money. Uh, It's, you know, the players have to go out and secure those NIL deals and endorse products and and in some ways actually work for it a little bit, at least by lending their name, image, and likeness or signing autographs or or whatever they do. Um, but but it is college athletes making money. Caitlin Clark has about $2 million worth of NIL deals, the Iowa star women's basketball player. Uh, there's there's other uh, female athletes that are doing quite well, gymnasts from LSU in particular, as well as other college yep. basketball players. So it's not just the men that are making millions of dollars. Some of them are in the multi-millions of dollars uh, in their NIL deals while still in college. I think... That will actually help college keep some of their top athletes because they enjoy the college experience. They already have uh, have become you know quasi professionals by signing NIL deals. Maybe they'll just decide to stick around and play college basketball a little longer. We know that's what happened with Luke Timmy uh, at Gonzaga. Uh, I don't think it's Luke uh, Timmy is his last name. Yeah, he, Timmy. I, yeah, I don't even know his first name either. Yeah, he's Drew. Drew. That's it. He could have come out last year uh, and would be a first-round pick, probably not a high one. He's a little bit floor-bound, but he's a very smart player. He reminds me a lot of Nikola Jokic uh, in how he handles the game. He's just not as big as him. Uh, right. But but he stayed, and why did he stay? Because he has about $2.5 million worth of NIL deals working right now, so he didn't need the money. He enjoys the college experience. He stuck around. I think that will actually help college keep more of their star players longer. I do. I, I believe there's something to that. They had the option also to go to the G League and make a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. Now maybe they'll just stay in college basketball. You know, the Caitlin Clark is a great example. That girl uh, is bound to be the highest paid player in the NBA, I think, in the WNBA. Although they say she's not even the number one pick this year, which I don't know that I, I think I don't know who wouldn't pick her. But I don't know if you watched her yesterday. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, the way she can get her shot off and the way she can just bury triples from deep. She looks like a dude out there. Yeah. Um, but anyways, in a good way, I'm, I am I mean that is in the fact that she can shooting get a range. shot off. Yeah. Yeah, shooting range and depth and touch and uh, her passing ability and even her rebounding. Anyways, I digress. You're right, Todd. You nailed it. This should keep some of those guys around longer, and hopefully they stay with the teams that, they, that brought them in. That's, mm. to me – that's where the win would be, right? Timmy, you stay with Gonzaga. We recognize Gonzaga because of you. You stay with that squad. It'd be great to see. I yeah. hope that's the case. Um, hopefully not like a Marcus Carr, who we saw yesterday with Texas. I think he's on his third or fourth college. Yeah. And I mean, he's got to be like 26 years old. Yeah. 
the guy's been around forever, and I doubt it was money keeping him. Yeah. That's what you don't want to see. Now, some of, the, of what's going on right now with these 24-, 25-year-olds still playing is because of the pandemic when the NCAA gave True. everyone a free True. year of eligibility, and then they gave everyone they could transfer during the pandemic, and then they gave them a yep. free transfer after that. That's why we're seeing guys like Carr. It is his third team was Pittsburgh, the Gophers, and now Texas. But there's other guys who have been four. Uh, Gabe Kelsher, he's still playing for Iowa State, for crying out loud. Uh, yep. down there, but but uh, some of that will start to clear up over the coming years. The NCAA created a backlog of transfers and players uh, switching schools during the pandemic with all of their mismanagement, basically, of what was going on. That's why players have played with so many different schools at this point. That will start to settle down. It's, it's one free transfer is the rule, and once we get past all these guys who were allowed to also have free transfer during the pandemic and maybe also had a transfer prior to that in which they sat for a year of eligibility that's why we have guys now who have been on their third or fourth college and are 24 and 25 years old that'll start to change start to even out as we go and the one free transfer that'll make a difference players will start to pay a little more attention to that i think todd did you get to see the last ever wgc match play event i did i don't think it's the last one i think it's the last one there in austin i think they're going to come up with something again though it's it's it's, well it's just really a popular format i don't see them getting rid of it entirely well, I, I don't disagree, but yeah. as a right now on the books, yes. that was it. Yes. Which I, makes no sense to me. I know. I did watch a lot it, of it. Todd. Yep. This is they finally got this format right to keep people around. The one and done they used to do. I went to one down in uh, Tucson yeah. a bunch of years ago. And the one and done made no sense for some of these top guys. Yeah. Because you can get beat by anybody. I mean, seriously, it's match play. You can be off just a little bit, or you can run into Rory who's shooting 62, 60, or you run into um um, Sam, Sam Burns. Young, who had nine straight threes. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. It, it, I mean, it was the greatest. I, I was glued to it yesterday, Todd. I didn't want to go to basketball. I was so glued to this match play deal. But I was just wondering, did you get a chance to uh, to get to see our boys out there? I watched a lot more of that than I did the basketball yesterday afternoon. I was with you. Uh, I wanted to see it be uh, Rory and Scheffler for the championship. We did right. get the we did get the match. It was for third right. place, and and Rory wound up winning it. Um, but boy, Sam Burns, you know, he just took on all comers and took them down. And Cam Young, for the first time, finally showed a a little hitch in the get along, but not until the championship match. So Burns is a quality player. He's the probably the best player right now that hasn't won a major yet. No kidding. And I was telling somebody, I go, he's got to be a top 10 pick in these Masters drafts. Yeah. As everybody knows, next week is kind of, that's the big deal for golfers because almost everybody has a Masters pool, just like the NCAA thing. Yeah. And and Sam Burns is going to be one of those top picks. And you went to said that three weeks ago, and he even admitted it. He goes, I was struggling a little bit. I didn't couldn't figure it out. And then you go to Val, uh, Valspar a course that he's familiar with down at Innisbrook and something clicks mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden look at him and you're right Todd he just and did you see how hard he was swinging yeah and he was hitting him I mean he landed at 350 on that one right on the guy's shoulder yeah and uh, if the guy wasn't there that would have been a 400 and some yard drive for sure and I know it's downhill a little downwind but yeah. Yeah. still crazy how confident he was you know it, it reminds me of you at number five at Eagle Creek 
where you swing so hard at that driver with the water down there, and I'm just impressed every time you do it. <laughs> yeah, and then until it goes in the water, I snap hook it left and I, out of bounds. Then you're not impressed I don't anymore. Think I've ever seen you do it on that hole, and every time I go, why? I can't believe you're hitting driver, and you're like, well, this is what I do. Yeah, I, just hit, right. I swing hard and I hit driver down here. That's, that's what right. Sam Burns looked like. That's all I have. I don't have anything else. I can't hit anything else uh, as Apparently. straight. So, yeah. hey, hey, man, thanks uh, for coming in, and I'll actually see you in person next Monday. I'm coming back to Minnesota for a little bit. Be good to see you. Yeah, and Friday. Don't forget. That's right. Big day Friday. That's right. Friday live show, 4 until 5, a special hour-long. Todd and friends will all be live uh, out at the Expo at the uh, Civic Center. We'll see you there, Greg. All right, Todd. Have a great one. Travel well. Greg Snow joining us on the Todd and Friends podcast brought to you by Heritage Bank. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.